I had no idea when it was going to come. I remember one time I was on my way to my school cafeteria when I was in college. It was my sophomore year of college and I was walking into my cafeteria and I felt it and I passed out. Beyond Ourselves is a podcast where I, Taylor Camille, share stories by those living a life fully and beyond any stigma or perceived limitations a health condition may have on their day-to-day lives. For season one of this series, we are highlighting women of color, and more often, Black women, whose health needs are frequently looked over and stories seldom shared. Today we're speaking with Maya McHenry. This interview is very special and tender to me, as Maya is the little sister of my friend Lyric, who is now with us in spirit. What I wasn't anticipating from this interview is that Maya would sound exactly or very close to Lyric. And so that was very, very, um, that was very special. Maya has endometriosis. Endometriosis is a disease that affects many women. However, Black women in America are only about half as likely to be diagnosed with endometriosis compared to white women. What got left on the cutting room floor is Maya is working on a book inspired by the lessons she found in joy from her seemingly endless treatments with endometriosis. We talk about all types of things from diagnosis, finding the right doctor, being outcasts because of the surprises that sometimes these diseases come with. We talked about love and the future and of course what brings us peace. I hope you'll enjoy. I'm Maya McHenry. I'm a talent coordinator, entrepreneur, social curator, and photographer. I'm so happy to have you because I've followed your journey. I was friends with your sister and I'm excited to talk to you about all things going on with your life, endo-wise and otherwise. How would you define endometriosis? Yeah, I would honestly, I defined it with the plain old definition that I learned in my endo book. I describe (laughs) it as a disorder in which tissue that normally lines the uterus grows outside of the uterus. And that's what actually causes that horrible, horrible pain. And I've tried to make my definition as simple as possible because the definitions for endometriosis can be very, very, very long and complex but for me that's what resonates with me the most and I'm a visual learner too so I've just been like looking up you know pictures of the uterus and just how the the tissue grows outside of the uterus to just learn more and more every day about it. Do you remember how you were introduced in endometriosis? Do you remember knowing before your diagnosis? Yeah, yes. I so for so long, like I said, I've been struggling with this disease for 10 years of my life. And the first episode, I call them episodes, by the way, Taylor, that's how I refer to my where the (laughs) pain comes, I refer to them as episodes was actually when Lyric was alive. And it was my senior year of high school, where I basically had this overwhelming stabbing pain. 
and in my pelvic specifically. And we didn't know what was wrong. I ended up passing out and my Lyric and my mom had to rush me to UCLA hospital and they ran a bunch of tests. No one knew what it was. After that happened, that continued for about 10 years. So my entire college existence. And it was just me in and out of the ER, in and out of the hospitals, people just not knowing what was wrong, just all these doctors saying that I had this and that, and none of it was true. And I also developed Lyme disease because I used to ride horses. I started riding horses when I was six years old. So a lot of doctors would blame it on that and be like, oh, it's Lyme disease. And I'd be like, okay, no, these are not symptoms that people have who have Lyme disease at all. And so it was becoming, you know, this, this situation where I was just in and out of the hospital, which was so traumatic in itself and frustrating too, because I just kept having these horrible, horrible pains. Right. So when did you get your diagnosis? I didn't know that I had it until last year when I got a laparoscopy and they diagnosed me with endometriosis stage two. And after that, I thought that that all the pain would basically go away after that, but it actually got worse. And it was specifically because I wasn't prepped correctly for the surgery. And so many women, it really takes women like an average of 11.4 years really to even find out that they have endometriosis because endometriosis, it has to be with an endometriosis specialist. It can't be with a physician or a doctor who doesn't know about endometriosis because they're just not educated on it enough. And and they will prescribe you all this medicine, but won't actually take care of the long-term problem because endometriosis can also come back. That's the thing about it. And also my gynecologist that I loved and trusted so much, and I still love her, but she (laughs) told me for a long time that I didn't have endometriosis before I even had the laparoscopy. And so I trusted her. And so I was just like, okay, I don't have endometriosis. Everything's fine. Did you know anyone who had had endometriosis before or anyone who was also experiencing some of these symptoms? couple people like my sister for example my sister Tiffany has Mm -hmm. had endometriosis and she Mm. kept telling me that my symptoms sounded very much so like endometriosis and my good friend Corinne Fox who is amazing she struggled with endometriosis as well and she got me in touch with Dr. Orbuck and she was just like Maya this is the person. This is the woman. She's going to save your life. (laughs) You have to see her. And so I've been in Los Angeles and I haven't met her physically yet, but I've just been doing Zoom appointments and she's already just transformed my life already just through Zoom. And she's put me in all these different treatments. She put me with a team of people basically to prepare me for my second surgery because this is how it's actually supposed to be done. And she put me with a pelvic physical therapist who's amazing. And I have that every Tuesday and we do pelvic floor exercises and it 
it helped so much. And I feel so much better every time I leave her office. And then she put me with a pain specialist who has put me on this medicine, ironically called Lyrica. And it's calming down, right? I know it's, it's beautiful and it's calming down my central nervous system. And it it makes me very, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's insane. It's insane. I've right? seen for that medicine, but I never knew what it was for. I was just like, yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just not the type of doctor who's just like, okay, let's put you on this and let's put you on that. You know, he is mm-hmm. the opposite of that. They don't like to just prescribe people anything. And so it's been really, really good. And Dr. Orbuck actually wrote a book that I'm still finishing called Beating Endo. And it was just so validating because it starts off with just sharing some of her patients' stories. And the first woman talks about how she had undiagnosed endometriosis for about 11 years. So that was just, I've suffered with it for 10 years. So one year after me, and it was just so validating to see that to know, okay, you know, you're not the only one. And, and also just her describing that stabbing familiar pain as well, that every time I bring it up, people look at me like I'm insane. And every time I was in the hospital, people would look at me like I was crazy, like, okay, well, you know, are you eating badly? It's like, no, my mother was a supermodel. And she raised my sister and I on organic and gluten and dairy free foods like our right. entire lives so no like <laughs> that's not me the stabbing yeah. pains come like when it was when you were on your cycle or would it just be random it would be random and that was the worst thing about oh, it yeah. is that you yeah. had I had no idea when it was going to come I remember one time I was on my way to my school cafeteria when I was in college, it was my sophomore year of college. And I was walking into my cafeteria and I felt it and I passed out. And practically my entire school, I remember waking up and I just saw basically my entire school just like standing over me with ambulance carrying me out. And that happened a couple times, actually, um, when I was in school in the middle of classes, all different types of things, which was kind of embarrassing for me too, you know, because it's like, I don't want, you know, people I don't know and like just, you know, to know all these like personal things about me, you know, and I kind of felt like I was like the sick girl in Mm -hmm. college because there was just always something. And one out of 10 women struggle with endometriosis. So that's approximately 176 million women in the world who struggle with Mm -hmm. this disease. Mm -hmm. And so many people don't know what it is, nor understand it. And I think that's part of one of the biggest issues because when somebody with endometriosis tries to explain to another person what it is, it's such a complex disease and it's so different for each person. Every person's experience is so drastically different that it kind of just, in a way, it's not really, in my opinion, taken seriously as it should. And you know, it was just constant. I constantly felt like every time I was explaining it to people that people were just kind of looking at me like, okay, like, what is she talking about? Or 
you know, she's trying to victimize herself or whatever it was. And it was, it was simply me trying to understand it myself, (laughs) which I'm still trying to, I'm learning more and more every day about it. There's so many components to it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, cause you texted me and you were like, you know, trying to get verifiable information on this. Yeah. Condition is so hard because the internet can really lead you astray. It can be a lot of misleading, you know, stuff that doesn't really suit you, but maybe yeah. somebody else. And I found that to be really interesting. Just, yeah, that you're still evolving and still learning like as it comes with like what actually serves you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it kind of just like goes back to my point that, you know, not enough physicians are adequately trained to surgically diagnose or treat endometriosis for that matter. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's so hard because it's, there's so few I'm learning physician specialists who actually know what they're doing when it comes to endometriosis. For so long, they were just giving me all these horrible opiates because that was like their answer to everything. Like the the main one that I got for so long, every time I got into the ER was morphine, which is what, you know, they use on cancer patients. So it's like that was their end all that or Toradol. And they would just give me these medicines and that would just be their solution. And they would just say, follow up with a GI specialist. And that's all that they would say. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's so Yeah, lazy. yeah. which made everything worse too, because the side effects of the, okay. of the opiates were horrible. That was a whole traumatic experience in itself all the side effects from that, which caused more nausea, a whole realm of different things. So, you know, it was almost as if I was just getting further and further away of what I actually needed to be doing. Yeah. And so how does it feel now? Recently, I had my first painful, um, pain-free period, which has been amazing because usually when I'm on my period, I have to go to the hospital. That's how bad it is. So I haven't had any nausea. I haven't had any painful bowel movements. Everything has just, I've been feeling honestly better than I've ever felt. And I just can't wait to get the second laparoscopy so I can really, really, you know, start my life again because it has really limited me. I haven't even been able to protest and do all the things that I've been wanting to do because I have endometriosis, very low immune system, and I cannot be out there the way that I want to. But I just trusted these doctors and these specialists who were, you know, had these great reputations and I thought knew what they were doing, but they didn't. (laughs) So I'm just excited to have a life where I'm not in the ER consistently. So how did you, you mentioned in college that you felt like, you know, often you had to be the sick girl and you maybe were exposing more of yourself than you wanted to, to your peers. But recently you've been pretty vocal about it on social media. And I just wondered like, what motivated you to open up about it? What has the response been? Like, where did you find that courage? My whole thing is I don't want people to like feel bad for me or, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how did did you get over that? Yeah. Well, 
honestly, to be honest with you, Taylor, when I first got the laparoscopy, I thought that I was on the road to success. I thought that my life was going to change. I thought that I finally was going to be able to do all the things that I wanted to do and continue to do. And I was very wrong. And I put out a post which you're probably referring to about it right after I got the laparoscopy thinking that everything was going to change and it didn't. And I put it out partly because I was really excited Mm -hmm. to get it and to finally live a pain-free life and stop dealing with this disease that I've dealt with for so long. So it was kind of just like, Oh, finally. And, and it also was I wanted people, women, young girls out there who are going through it to see that post and know that they're not the only one. Because endometriosis is such a complex disease and because so very few people know what it actually is, a lot of girls feel alone in this process. Mm -hmm. They could have the most loving family. They could have a lot of friends, supportive friends, but you can still feel very, very alone. Um, Mm -hmm. in it because you're the only one who truly feels it and understands how it's affecting you and what's actually going on. So I wanted, you know, girls out there to see that post and just to know that they're not alone and that there was some sort of hope that they could see that and feel validated, just like I feel validated when I'm reading this book, Beating Endo, Mm -hmm. because it feels so good to just see other women share their experiences and just know, oh my gosh, everything she's saying, that sounds like me. That's me. It's, it's such a, yeah, it's such a satisfying feeling because it's so rare when you get to, you know, find somebody that you can really vent to about it, who really gets it. So I wanted other girls to feel validated by that and also to just raise awareness about it too, to educate my followers on what it is. And I also just feel like social media in this day and age, it's kind of as much as I love it, in a way it's kind of taught, especially my generation, to show all the good but not the bad. And nobody's life is perfect. Nobody's life. And this was such a huge part of my life that I've been struggling with for so long. And I wanted people to know. I wanted people to know because I was getting some messages where young girls would be like, oh my gosh, you have such an amazing life and you're so pretty and how um, you model, how can I become a model? Like all these just different stuff. And I was, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, little do they know, like right. I'm like in the hospital right now, crying I'm my going eyes through out, it. going yeah. through it, you know? And so I just, I kind of wanted to show that as well. I wanted to open that door and show people, you know, that this is like a very real thing. And this is something that I've been going through for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was the response like when you did open up? Were you like afraid to check your phone once you posted? (laughs) Or what was the response after you finally opened up about it? Yeah, I definitely well, I'm so that person where I post something and then I just put my phone somewhere and just I just don't look at it. So I'm definitely that type of person for sure. I was very proud of it. 
to be honest, Taylor, I was very, very proud of sharing and opening up about it. It was something that I felt like was so important. And with that being said, you know, I didn't really care, you know, what people thought or what people were going to say. That was like not even something that was really in my brain. I just simply was just like, you know, I'm so happy that I got this off my chest, that I posted it and that people know about it, that you're always going to get comments and stupid things. I mean, you can't control what people think and what people say, but I was really happy to get all the positive feedback and comments that I did receive because I felt like it really did touch a lot of people. And I just got, I got a lot of messages after that from young girls who were struggling with it. And that was the whole reason why I did it in the first place. And so that put the biggest smile on my face. So I was just, you know, I was happy. I was very happy. And I was, I was proud of it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. How had it been like, at work, you know, I know you do a lot of different types of Ugh, things. Girl. Because <laughs> sometimes work can be the worst places because they're so demanding. And it's like if you take too many days off or if you like yeah. have too many excuses in there, you know, especially with something like Indo where you're trying to, when you don't have the actual diagnosis yet, where you're trying to get to the root of the problem, it can seem, you know, murky or like, you know, what is what's going on with Maya? She's missing all of these days or whatever. I know you've you've had a bunch of different hats. Yeah, yeah, it was very, it was difficult. It was definitely challenging. When I was in college, I started internships very young, because I wanted the experience. And a lot of those internships, I could not continue with, because there were so many days that I missed when I was in the hospital and struggling with it. And a lot of unfortunately, the companies that I was interning at just didn't take it seriously, or even believe me, actually, which is crazy, but you know, um, a very real thing. And so it's been definitely challenging. I mean, I even when I was modeling for a small, small part of my life, that was huge when I would have to miss castings and work because I was in the hospital, because I couldn't show up to a casting at the right time because I was feeling so horrible. I mean, it just, it really set me, yeah, it really, really took over in every aspect of my life, my social life, my sex life, my everything. And, And with my first real job at Verizon Media, I was their social media manager and I was also on the talent team and editorial team where I, they were really, really understanding there actually very about my endometriosis. They just wanted me to get better and stay healthy. And they were so beautiful about, because I actually got, I got my laparoscopy when I was working at Verizon at the time. And they were just so, so, so sweet and accommodating throughout the entire experience and just very, very supportive. Yeah. Very supportive. Okay. My other question, you brought it up very briefly, but I did want to be nosy and ask about how it affected your love life because it's all about the downstairs. And I think when we experience pain during intercourse, we don't want to maybe tell our partner, like that doesn't feel good or finding your voice in that. And 
still not knowing, you know, exactly what it was. How did you navigate that? Yeah, well, for <laughs> to tell you the truth, Taylor, I haven't had a lot of experience um, in my life with that because of my endometriosis. It was always such a painful thing for me. I still don't even use a tampon till this day. I literally have never been able to tolerate it. Yeah. And so with that being said, I, it was honestly, I'm an extrovert and an introvert. And so with that being said, like I can be so open and then be so closed off at the same time. And so, yeah, yeah. So um, I, it wasn't something that I, I've only had about, I've only had like two serious relationships in my life. And both of those people were so amazing and beautiful throughout the experience. And with my first, with my first relationship, which was in high school, we didn't, for so long, I didn't know that it was endometriosis. And it was me and that person, we only slept together once. So it was, you know, it was a, and it was my first time. And that was when I was, yeah, yeah. That was when I was 18. So it was kind of, you know, one of those things where I was like, okay, this is normal that it hurts so badly because it's my first time, but the way that it felt, it, it hurt so badly that it couldn't even continue. And that was what wasn't normal. And with my second relationship, he was just an angel. He was just supportive, came with me to every hospital visit, every ER visit, every checkup, every everything. He was just there throughout it all. Yeah. And he just was just so supportive. And I he met me when I was the most sick that I've ever been. And that's how the relationship actually started. And so he kind of, I kind of thought, okay, like, he's not gonna stay around. Like, this is crazy. Like, uh, everything that I have to go through on a daily basis, you know, he's definitely gonna, you know, run off and be scared. (laughs) Because the pain was so bad that I would I would have even like seizure, like I would shake a lot. Like when I would get these episodes, it would come out of the blue, it would come in waves and I never had any warning of when it was going to come. So it would just come and then I would start screaming. I would start having seizure-like movements and then I would um, pass out. And it was just very, very scary to see and witness. So I was like, this boy is about to run off and be like, okay, no, like I am not, this is not what I signed up for. But he didn't at all. He did not do that at all. And he was just so, 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 so supportive throughout it all. And I felt like I could really be honest with him about everything. And so I was just very, very lucky to go through that experience with somebody who was so supportive because I've had friends who've had endometriosis, who they've been with boyfriends for years and they literally left them because they couldn't have intercourse with them and because of the endometriosis. And so the person that I was with just, he was just not one of those people at all. He was just an angel. And I just got very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was just 
it's crazy to think about how much people like how much weight people put on sex and how much like yeah minds their relationship with someone and yeah it's upsetting that that's I mean obviously if they're stepping out because they can't deal with that then like good riddance but right it's so upsetting that you know that could be the end-all be-all and that already you know you're already experiencing something that's so uncomfortable and it's insane yeah it's insane I really lucked out on the those two relationships for sure because even with my first relationship I mean that person never ever do you think there'll ever be a time like after your second surgery will where it'll be less painful has your doctor tried to like set you up yes 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 specifically with with that with intercourse Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's specifically what the pelvic physical therapy is for. And so that's going to help a lot. I'm, you know, I'm not in a relationship right now. I'm not sexually active. So it's not something, you know, that's really like on my mind. I'm just mm-hmm. excited to finally wake up and not have to worry about having a horrible, horrible day, basically not being able to get anything done. Do you want to have kids? 100%. I've wanted to be a mom for as long as I can remember. I just, I, I love, I love kids and I can't wait to be a mother when I'm ready. You know, I'm only 25. So, but, um, (laughs) you know, I, yeah, some women with endometriosis, they can't have kids. Mm -hmm. So it's just so important to see the right specialist to see the right doctor to really prevent huge things like that from happening. So I'm just like happy that I'm still young too. And that she's seeing me while I'm still young. Because I feel like if I was older, it would just be so much more challenging. And she wouldn't be able to catch and monitor the things that she's catching now. And she actually did say that to me in our first consultation. She said that she's just so happy that I'm young and that we can do this now. So, but yeah, to answer your question, 100%. Yes. I I always loved kids ever since I was a kid. So I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to be a mom. And I mentor a lot of kids too so it's it's something you know that I'm really excited to do eventually I'm glad your endo is not stopping you from doing that so yeah thank god it's not yeah what would you tell other women who think that they might be experiencing symptoms of endometriosis I would tell them to not feel like they're alone And to talk to somebody who has had endometriosis and has had, who has gone through the same experience as you, because for me, that's how I found the doctor I'm with right now, which is insane because the doctor I'm with right now was in New York the entire time I was there. So my biggest advice is to talk to somebody who has, who has had it and has had a good positive experience surgically because if they have that means that that doctor is like one of the few people who will actually get you better 
because doing all that research, it just doesn't do much because there's so many things on the internet that are just not accurate about the disease. That would honestly be my best advice. The last question that I did want to ask you is what brings you peace? And I, I know that what you... Me peace? Yeah. yeah. Lyric, family, yeah. um, meditation. Meditation is a huge part of my life. It has helped me tremendously throughout this disease. I do it every day, once in the morning and then once at the end of my day. Journaling. Journaling is a huge one. Just being able to just... Everybody, I feel like, thinks that journaling is like, dear diary and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but it can be like kind of just like word vomit. I mean, you don't even have to make sense, but just to release and just get everything out on paper, it feels so good. It's such a nice release, and it really brings me peace, like you said, just being able to vent in, in a book that no one is going to read except for yourself. And being able to look back and reflect on it as well. And kids. I love kids. Kids are like my medicine. Ever since I was a little girl, I actually struggled with for a long time where I would just run up to kids and pick them up and kiss them. And like parents would complain about me and be like, okay, what is your daughter doing? And it was like something that happened quite often. And yeah. Kids and elderly people, I just love and have strong connections with. And they just bring such a lightness and a big smile to my face. Anytime I'm around a kid or an elderly person, it's like my medicine. Your cute little niece. Oh, she's the, I have two nieces. Yeah, Grace and Leilani. Yeah, they are being an aunt, I tell you. It's interesting and amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) And horses. Horses bring me peace. Horses have always been a big part of my life. Lyric and I started really, really young. And I remember when I first walked onto the stables, my dad brought us and I got on a horse and it was just natural for me. And it was the relationship with the horse, which what, which is what brought me peace. And mm-hmm. going to the stables after school was, it was like my sanctuary. It was my place. Yeah. And I would just stay there for hours. Like all my friends would leave after our lesson was over and I would just stay and hang out with the horses, feed the horses, clean up poop, do all <laughs> All types of things just because I simply wanted to be there. I simply wanted to be with this amazing animal that doesn't judge you. That's just yeah. there. And it's it's such a beautiful thing, the trust that you can build with a horse. Whenever I step onto a new horse, it's like I have to get to know the horse first before I start riding the horse. Like I have to like spend a significant time with the horse and just building that relationship because then they trust you and you trust them. And mm-hmm. so being around horses, yeah, is, is a huge one for me. It's it's gotten me through some pretty big, heavy things in my life. Yeah. Beyond Ourselves is an original series produced and hosted by me, Taylor Camille. A variety of the series artwork shared here and on our Instagram, at Beyond Ourselves, are created by Carmen Johns and Sierra Hood. My hope is that these listenings have left you with a warm heart and an even cooler mind. 
I hope you are left feeling able to seek peace in the spaces and places you may find yourself in. If you're interested in being on the pod or have any compelling leads, please shoot us an email at info at beyondourselves.com and subscribe and share if you haven't already.